Hello and welcome to Linux Crazy Podcast. Today I am proud to bring to you an interview with Jane Trimbath from South Africa. Jane is a captain on the Airbus 340, the first woman's pilot in South Africa to command long-range international flights. Jane is also a motivational speaker. Jane's presentations are based on lessons learned overcoming the challenges of being a woman in a man's world. Jane is also a Linux user, and I ran across her website while I was searching for a way to use Midnight Commander as an FTP client. Jane's Linux pages included advice for newbies, how to install Stereda Reader, Linux bash commands explained both by function and alphabetically. Hi Jane, welcome to the podcast. Hi David, thank you. Uh, could you please tell our listeners about yourself? Well, I'm uh, from South Africa, as you said, and I basically live a life that's not connected with IT, you know, except when I'm at home and uh, messing around with my Linux box. But uh, I live in a town called Benoni, which is near Johannesburg. It's near the airport, so I can get to work easily. And uh, I live in a, a pretty old house, and I have a, a partner, a significant other, and we have one cat. And we enjoy growing vegetables in the summertime, so that's about me. And riding bicycles, that's the other thing we enjoy. How did you get into Linux and free software? Well, I decided in 1999, you know, I'm a bit of a late adopter when it comes to technology, but in 1999 I realized that I had to get a computer or fall behind. So I went down to our local computer store and I... The first thing I saw when I walked in the door was crowds of people around the returns counter and they were all clutching these computers. So I thought, well, this is not a good sign. If I buy a computer here, I'm going to land up bringing it back for repairs at some stage. So my cousin offered to build me a computer. But he said to me, once the thing was built, he said, well, you know, I'm not going to pirate Windows for you. You better go out and buy it. Mm-hmm. And I went down back to that same store and I looked at the price of Windows plus Office and it was nearly as much as it cost to build the computer itself. Mm-hmm. So I thought, no, but what's this box on the on the shelf? It's Linux. It was a mandrake. And my cousin said, well, I can install it for you, but after that you're on your own. So that was the way I got going. I've, <laughs> I had the Linux on my first computer. And I've been sort of treading that road since then, going sort of through a couple of distros, all RPM-based distros. And I've always been very keen on the, I think, on the, the whole concept around free software because I just felt that, yeah, maybe Microsoft had a bit too much of a stranglehold. And it's nice to be a bit of a rebel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my start is pretty, it's kind of similar. Uh, I, uh, I didn't start using computers till 2000. One of my nicknames is Comp Rookie 2000. And I, I, when I first got a computer, I, um, I had Windows and I'd always kind of been a person that liked to take stuff apart, like even as a kid taking apart, uh, uh, you know, stuff around the house. So, um, when I got the computer, I was kind of always interested and I built a computer and I was always playing with Windows 
and I was always breaking it. So I saw this stuff about Linux and uh, kept reading up on it. And I'm in kind of a, I'm of the generation of where we were kind of like the hippie generation where, you know, so the free software and everything kind of intrigued me. The whole idea behind a, a community intrigued me. So that's when I got started on too. I'm all self-taught and everything. I didn't go to school or I don't have any kind of IT background or anything. But that's one of the great things I found about the com Linux community is how easy it is that people want to volunteer their information to you. Yes, absolutely. So I must say that the reason why I was willing to try it was because I had, yeah, we used to have a, a tech section in our local newspaper, which uh, doesn't get written anymore, but the the guy who was writing it was obviously a you know, secret Linux user, and he would every week would have some article about it, and that's why I'd, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd already read about it. And, you know, after he stopped editing that portion of the newspaper, he never read about it after that. So it was actually lucky that there was somebody who was involved in the press who was aware of it and writing about it, because I think exposure is part of the problem. You know, a lot of people have just never heard of it. Where did you look for help when you first started using Linux? Well, uh, that's uh, another story in itself. I... Yeah, I had a couple of problems there. One of them was that I couldn't get my K-Mail program working because I used KDE on the mm -hmm. desktop. Mm -hmm. And you know, the mail was something I just couldn't get working, and I didn't know any better. So I one Sunday afternoon, I was really feeling quite desperate, and this inner voice of mine said to me, you must go down to the local bookstore. And I'd been there before and looked for books on you know, sort of newbies help for Linux. And I knew there was going to be nothing there, but I climbed in my car and I went down anyway. And I was sort of desperately, frantically searching the bookshelves for something that might help me. And uh, this voice behind me said, what are you looking for? And there was some chap standing there. He'd, uh, I think, been sent down to the mall by his wife to you know, take his teenage girls out. And uh, while they roamed the mall, he was standing by the computer books. And I, I said to him, I'm looking for a book on Linux. And he said, oh, you must join the local Linux user group. And I said, well, what's that? He told me that, you know, how I got onto the mailing list. And so I joined the Gauteng Linux user group. You know, Gauteng is the, the province uh, with Johannesburg and Pretoria, you know, basically the smallest province, but the most densely populated in South Africa. And so when I got onto the mailing list and I found that they had um, you know, get-togethers, regular meetings, and they usually took the form of tutorials. Uh -huh. So I met a lot of people who were prepared to help me, and you know, young and old, and uh, I think they were also quite fascinated to have somebody who'd come in and, and never used Windows before. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> that, that sort of elevated me in, in status, that I was not a former Windows user, and and so I found a lot of people within the group who who really were you know, very keen on helping, and they've remained friends to this day. Tell us about the distro you use and your window manager desktop environment. You've talked about this a little bit, but could you go into a little more detail? Yes, so I'm at the moment using a PC Linux OS. Oh, okay. Uh, which I, I think I actually downloaded it uh, overseas for another Linux user, because, you know, we have rather limited broadband in South Africa. It's, it's slow and it's expensive, and you know, not everybody has it even. So I offered, to, when I was in a hotel overseas where we get generally get free Internet, that I, I downloaded a, a CD for him, and I was having a few problems with my OpenSUSE 
So I installed the PC Linux on another partition, and I found it just installed so easily that uh, it was you know, everything was working basically out of the box. Mm -hmm. I must say I was quite impressed. Mm -hmm. And I always I've always used KDE. As I said, I've always used RPM-based distros as well. I think it's a case of when you start off with something, that's what you understand, and I've always stuck with it. So I have uh, briefly looked at others such as Ubuntu and Mint, but I found there were certain things that were lacking that I didn't quite uh, quite like. So I've I've just stuck with those, and I've, I am impressed with PC Linux OS. It's uh, yeah, I know it works out of the box most of the time. Yeah, there's so much to keep up with. A lot of times, uh, I found too, it's easier just to stick with one type of distribution, because uh, otherwise you could spend so much time relearning over and over again. Yeah, it's, I think with the KDE as well, then it's easy. Uh, as I've gone through the distros, uh, I've sort of dabbled with Mandrake right in the beginning, then Red Hat, then OpenSUSE or OpenSUSE, um, and now PC Linux OS. So. You know, at least the KDE has been a common thread through that, something which I understand and I haven't got to spend too much time relearning if I change distros. What are some of the programs you can't live without? Well, I suppose the you know, certain KDE things, and then I'm comparing them to others. I do have a, a Mac laptop, so yeah, which is a, a small portable thing for travel. So I can compare it then to Mac, and I can say certain programs like Gwenview, uh, the photo application in KDE, are really, I find that so easy to use, and it's much more intuitive than some of these Mac programs. And even others like Dolphin uh, File Manager under KDE, I find that as well, uh, the ability to do certain basic things like split windows is to me just like such an, a great tool to have, which I don't I don't quite understand how to do that, if at all, on the Mac. <laughs> uh -huh. So there's some things which might seem pretty basic, but they're actually not replicated in other systems. Uh -huh. So I like Gwenview, I like Dolphin, um, and uh, yeah, there's some open source programs which I, I can use cross-platform, like Audacity for editing music. Uh -huh. Um, but then I use the, the standard things, I guess, open office. If I say I couldn't live without it, mainly because I don't really have anything else to substitute it with, I, I do find it's a more complete and uh, less buggy than the rest of the, the office programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the new one is the LibreOffice, which is basically the same thing as open office. It's just... Uh, uh, kind of a, a bunch of the developers from OpenOffice, when uh, Oracle was kind of not doing anything with OpenOffice, they just kind of continued on with, uh, with the Office suite. And it's, it's the exactly the same as OpenOffice. In fact, I kind of like it a little bit better, but that's, that's kind of where OpenOffice is going. It's called LibreOffice. Libre yes, I, I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to get around to it because um, I've noticed that the uh, in PC Linux OS, it is uh, the it talks about you know, it's got a little program of get get Open Office and I'll get LibreOffice, so I'll have to try it out at some stage. But beyond that, I'm I'm trying to think of what I absolutely cannot live without, and then of course I must mention Midnight Commander, 
which is the whole mm-hmm. reason that you stumbled across me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's uh, for a simple little thing. It's it's such a, a fast and user friendly program that you know also can't be replicated with the amount of power that it's got. Such a, a simple uh, file manager. It's, that's just great. Yeah, I, I started using Midnight Commander. Uh, when I installed Debian one time, and ba- way back when I first was installing Linux, like I said, it was around 2000. When you installed Debian, it didn't install uh, X for you or set it up. It, it was called XF86 Config, I think it was, and you had to basically kind of set it up for yourself. And and I could I couldn't get. I couldn't hardly get it to go at all. I couldn't get X to go at all. But I ran into Midnight Commander <laughs> because because yeah. I, I was in the you know in the terminal. I didn't have I had no X, so all I had was a console. So I I learned from there for Midnight Commander. There's so much you can do with it that I'm still I use it all. I use Midnight Commander and Vim, and I use both of those a lot. But I'm still learning stuff to do with Midnight Commander. I mean, there's there's so many ways you can search with it and all kinds of different stuff you can do with it that it's a constant learning uh, a learning process with midnight commander yeah but it's, you can even you know, open your your different file types within it you, know, you can you can set it up to open your your jpegs or your mp3s or whatever you can actually open them so from within midnight commander you can set what you want to open them with it requires a bit of editing and there was once I was trying to edit it and it didn't quite work out but it's it's really versatile when you dig into the guts of it. It's got a lot of power behind it. Yeah, sure does. Um, what are some of the programs uh, that you would like to see developed? I I can't really answer that one. Um, I think just Linux in general, because you know it still suffers. I think from sometimes where developers are trying to add new features, you know, maybe to like say the whole. KDE desktop environment, they're trying to add new features without fixing a couple of the bugs. Mm-hmm. And I do sometimes pick up, I don't want to call it arrogance, but uh, you know, sometimes reading the forums of the developers or or the maintainers of distros who say, well, you know, you've got this problem, oh, you should know better, you know, we don't have to upgrade the kernel for you, and if you have a problem because you didn't upgrade the kernel, it's your choice, and you know, which I find, in a way, is not exactly helpful to people who are not complete experts. And it's just a problem that I came across recently where I had to I had to upgrade my kernel um, after an update uh, because the old kernel was crashing my, my uh, entire CD-ROM. So I, I found it just a little bit of arrogance uh, that, you know, they're not making it easy for users. And that's something that's not really working in Linux's favor. It should be aimed to be developed, to be seamless, and to be bug-free, and you know, to make it easy for people who aren't experts. Otherwise, it's just going to remain an elitist and niche distro, or rather, your yeah, operating system. Yeah, I've ran across a few of those developers too. I've, I hate to be say this, but it seems like it happens. Is a lot of times that they're they're almost young and immature, and they haven't really. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they haven't been out in the working for a long time. I mean, they're young and real, real, real smart, but like you say, a little bit arrogant. That's just the, the ones I ran into. Yeah. Um, 
What skills have you learned while using Linux? Well, I can say I've certainly learned uh, a lot about what goes on under the hood of computers because uh, when I started now with absolutely no knowledge of them in 1999 and I, I was already in my 30s then, so you know, I had absolutely no knowledge of how anything worked. But now learning, you know, being forced to learn Linux, so obviously with the problems that one has, you know, with all the glitches it had, you know, certainly far more in the beginning than it has now. But I, I learned so much about it that now when I look at another OS, like if someone's having a problem with their windows, then I can go and fix it for them. You know, or sort of learning the background of the Mac, it's, it's quite easy to, to find my way around I think far easier for me because I've been forced to learn what goes on under the hood, whereas, uh, you know, somebody who didn't, who wasn't forced to do it, you know, just sort of throws their hands up and, um, and that's, so I found that I, I can fix things a lot better. I can even sort of fix my hardware now, which I can, you know, not that I'm much of a boffin, but I can, say, put in extra RAM or change a sound card or something like that, uh -huh. basic stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not afraid of opening up my box, but I suppose that's also the, the fact that I'm not scared of technical things. But th that all comes, I think, with having learnt Linux and having learnt, you know, about computers, being forced into it, being forced to to learn what goes on when one has various problems. And it certainly made me a a more well-rounded individual to know all these technical things. Uh, in in addition to, you know, I've learned technical stuff at work, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. the whole technical aspect of my aircraft. Uh, but uh, so this is just an extension of it in a way. What have been your most significant Linux projects uh, accomplishments? Well, I'd have to say my page on Midnight Commander, uh -huh. my website. And the reason that page came into being was uh, when we'd started a little... The Splinter uh, Linux user group out in the area where I lived, and we had a meeting where one of our members who who was a Midnight Commander fanatic, he spoke on it, and I just took some notes. And it was very basic stuff, and I put this page on my website. I, I didn't have much of a website in the beginning, but I put this page on. And then years later, when I started actually monitoring the statistics of what pages were being visited, I found that this was a very popular page. And so I took some more interest in, I did, you know, I started using Midnight Commander more because of that. And I started doing more research and ensuring that I, you know, got more, uh, more info and more, uh, going into a bit more depth. And now I found the usage, uh, since then the usage has, has rocketed and I have probably about a hundred visitors a day to uh -huh. wow. the Commander page. So, <laughs> uh, so they're mostly, uh, well, split evenly, I'd say, between the, the U.S. and Russia, you know, the Eastern Bloc countries, and but from everywhere, everybody visits the page. And, you know, it's about 90% of my visitors to my website go to that particular page. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, the other yeah. ones I've written also because, uh, you know, maybe things that I would have liked to have known when I started and... Um, things like uh, the Striata Reader page, that's uh, it's a little program that I have to run to open bank statements I get from uh, from a bank and uh, it also isn't exactly perfect so I wrote a little page when somebody had sent me a query of something it was I was just mentioning it in another one of the pages and someone you know queried stuff so I thought well let me just write this out and and that also gets uh, not not nearly as many but it gets a few hits every month and uh, you know so everything was 
Yeah, I'd say my, my Linux pages on my website are my most significant contribution to the community. And the, I actually feel good about it because when I was going to those uh, uh, Linux user group meetings and people were helping me so much that people were willing to give off their time and you know, they were very generous with their time and their skills. And this is now my way of giving back to the Linux community and the world. Yeah, the, the, the nice thing about that Midnight Commander page is Midnight Commander doesn't change, so uh, whatever information you put on there, it's going to probably be good for a long, long time, I would imagine. Yeah, some things do change. Uh, you know, I, I don't post to the Midnight Commander list, uh, developers list, but I do lurk on it. So every now and mm -hmm. then I see that something has changed. And and one thing with PC Linux OS, it does keep up with the latest version of Midnight Commander more so than OpenSUSE does. Uh -huh. So I found that a couple of minor things have changed, and then I've got to kind of reference, you know, different versions. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's uh, it's minor stuff. You know, like you said, it doesn't change. What's some ways Linux is used in aviation? Well, not not terribly much. I'd say the, the only way I've ever seen it used um, on our aircraft is it runs the in-flight entertainment system. Uh-huh. And also not possibly the greatest use of, uh, greatest advertisement of Linux because uh, in-flight entertainment is notoriously unstable and picky and user unfriendly and uh, they're often having to reboot the systems on board the aircraft and, but uh, I know that it does I've watched it booting up once and, it, and there was a little penguin sucks the penguin uh -huh. and uh, I couldn't uh, figure out what what really lay underneath it but uh, there's definitely Linux that runs the in-flight entertainment you know, it's, it's all this interactive uh, movies on demand and that which uh, yeah, which is driven by that. Have you met any other female Linux users? No, I haven't. You know, when I went along to those uh, first Linux user group meetings, then I was well, I wasn't the only woman there because the other woman who used to come along with her girlfriends of of some of the men, mm -hmm. but they didn't use Linux, and um, you know, so I've, I haven't ever met any other girls who use it. I once had a woman write to me asking me for some advice on Midnight Commander, but I didn't realize that she was a woman at worst because her name was Mickey, and the only Mickeys mm -hmm. I'd ever met were men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I established that she was a woman afterwards. And, um, you know, that's the one thing, I suppose, being a woman in a man's world. It's actually quite different. I found the reception that I got in the Linux community that I always felt so welcome, and yeah. in aviation, it's the level that I've got to. It's, it's been a bit of a struggle at times, uh -huh. but certainly in, in Linux, it's never been a struggle being a woman. But I always felt so welcome, and people were so willing to to help me. So, it's a, for me, it's curious as to why more women don't take it up. And if there are women listening, then I would really encourage them to have a go. You know, go along to meetings and and meet people because you know, people who use Linux are just eager to share their knowledge and develop it. So you know, get, get, get Linux better known, uh, make it wider used. And I would encourage women to do that because I found that the users are just friendly and they welcome you being there.
Describe your Linux boxes and your home network. Well, I can't go into much technical detail. Um, it's it's just a standard box. It works. It's probably about three years old, and yeah, one of my Linux friends built it for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm afraid I can't give you the specs because <laughs> they're not important. It works. <laughs> yeah. But apart from that, I've got on my network. I have my my Mac laptop, yeah. and uh, then my partner runs Windows. He had a Windows XP box, which he's just uh, packed away, and <laughs> he has a Windows 7 laptop from uh, from the people he works with. But uh, at one stage now, when I had everything going on the network, uh, three systems, I had Linux and Mac and Windows, so being able to talk to each other, I was pretty chuffed. <laughs> for somebody who um, hasn't ever had any training, right, right. I basically had to rely on Google to teach me networking. So I was quite chuffed to get that all talking to each other. Which uh -huh. It's had its moments, but I think it's generally been due to the, the Windows side of things falling down and, and locking <laughs> things out. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. You can't convert your, uh, your partner to start using Linux? Oh, he'd love to. We've actually, uh, he wore his old laptop, which is uh, off the system now. I did install PC Linux as a, on another partition. So, uh, oh, we're getting started. Available. Sorry? We're getting started. Yeah, we're getting started. No, he'd love to, but you know, at the moment, while he's still working and he's forced to use ah, okay. Microsoft Office you know, to produce reports and things, unfortunately, he doesn't have that option of yeah. of changing over yet. But it'll come. Yep. Yeah. Alrighty, thanks, uh, Jane. Uh, anything I didn't ask that you would like to add? No, I don't think so. I, I just, yeah, like I say, encourage women to, to go out there and start using it and and get involved in the community if you need help and and enjoy it. It's It's got a lot of little gems uh, in it which when you find out you can compare it to other systems and you find there are these little gems about us and you just never want to give it up.